All right, everybody. So today, back on the podcast, we have Menno Henselmans. How are we doing, man? That's good, you? Good. So uh, we connected, I guess it was on Instagram. Uh, and basically, through a few videos, we saw you on Steve Hall, uh, Revive Stronger. Uh, and Menno's here to tell us that he's been blasting TRT for years, right? That's what we're adding you on. Well, in 30 years or so, I may be on the podcast and then I'll I'll tell you that. Yeah, yeah. But yeah, no. But yeah, the, the podcast was about me saying that I'm generally an advocate of TRT and I plan to go on TRT myself when I need it, which I hope won't be for a long time. But yeah, that's the first, probably when I start feeling any negative effects of decreasing testosterone levels, I probably will go on TRT. I think TRT is, so the thing with TRT is that it has this dual nature and I think that's also part of the reason like we're having this follow-up call where on the one hand, I think TRT is incredibly beneficial and is massively underrated for a lot of people. A lot of people would benefit from TRT, but they don't do it. Many doctors, many, many doctors are not aware of TRT. They, they won't prescribe it. It either has a bad reputation or they just don't know how to do it or they do it the wrong way, wrong doses. They make people infertile that shouldn't become infertile or yeah, just weird stuff. Like I've seen doctors prescribe wind scroll as TRT. Like, just, I've seen lots of crazy shit. So yeah. can I swear on your podcast? Sure. <laughs> they, um, yeah. So on one hand, I think there is a, a lot of need to make TRT better and more accessible and available. And I've had many individuals even consult with me, even though I'm not, I'm not a medical doctor. There's, there's, people shouldn't be coming to me for these consultations, right? But because their own doctors are so poor at it, they come to someone who does have, uh, or they, who they believe has better expertise and better. Uh, on the other hand, and I just made, I made a video on this after it came out about the same time as the whole podcast where I said, and I also touched on the subject, which is the other side of the nature TRT, that a lot of influencers, in particular bodybuilders, are now using TRT as a euphemism for simply being on steroids and or being on a, a lower dose of steroids than they normally would. You know, like, oh, I'm on TRT now, meaning just a 500 gram testosterone. Right. And uh, which is cruising, you know. Uh, I'm not blasting at the moment, is what they're saying. Right. Um, and it, but it's not TRT. Like, actual TRT is testosterone replacement, apparently. Like, the R, it replaces, it just replaces your natural production. And I think that's what a lot of people don't get with true TRT. And I think you also said in your, like, at the end of your video, like, if you um, look at people on actual TRT, you, you would never know. Right. Right. So, yeah, a few points. I mean, one, just to jump back on, on like the point of a follow-up call, because um, some people, I'll see people debate online, and I think that's fine. I guess it has a place. But as I, I mentioned in the comments, I just find that generally very unproductive, right? There's certainly a different tonality to it. And also, it's not really helping that many people other than the people conversing. I guess on Facebook, sometimes there's some engagement, but then you lose the post forever. And I just find most people, I've had the occasional interaction that it doesn't go this way. But most of the time when you can talk live with somebody, it, it's certainly better. Um, I, I think life lesson in general, I would say. Right. Yeah. And, and, you know, you see these kind of meme pictures posted, right, where it's like uh, the bell curve IQ and it's like this like Neanderthal person thinking a certain way. And then there's kind of like the midwit level and then there's kind of like the actual intelligent people and they end up saying the same thing. And that's kind of I could imagine one being made where it's like somebody who is maybe not so intelligent saying doctors don't know anything. And then you have the doctors who are clearly more intelligent and more informed than them. But then the really intelligent informed people saying doctors don't know anything. And the problem is 
so many people on this end think that they're on this end. And this is why you've got, I just saw this, I was going to make a post on it, but I just saw somebody who they posted how it was like, you know, this vegan was such a terrible person. And they said, oh, baby was hospitalized because the mother was just feeding them like almond milk. Right. And then it was some like carnivore person. And it was like, this is so stupid. What an idiot. I just feed my baby beef all day. And like, and it was just like, okay, like, I mean, maybe that's better than just almond milk all day, but it's just kind of ridiculous. So, um, and I see that with TRT as, as well. And unfortunately it is true that while doctors on average are going to know a lot more than gen pop, I have very rarely come across a doctor who knows as much as somebody who is both intelligent and spending a lot of time reading about it, maybe such as yourself and other people in this space. But how does the average listener vet those two people out? It's very difficult. Yep, for sure. I think that's in politics and many conversations. That's, that's such a huge issue where there should be a name for this concept where I call it, I, I sometimes with my friends, I call it like a free, free face model or free step model where step one and step three of knowledge are like the same. And in between, you have a lot of people that go crazy about the people that are on the right of the curve because they think they're on the left. Right. Like there should be a, like a name for this because it's, it's so often the case. I mean, it's kind of like the Dunning-Kruger. It's it's not exactly, but it's... Yeah. Yeah, par partly. But it doesn't really explain like the, the three levels and in particular one and three ending up at the same spot because that's right. the source of the confusion. In any case, let's get into uh, the meat of the arguments. Because sure. I think we have at least slightly different viewpoints on uh, on TRT and uh, what the implications for bodybuilding. Sure, sure. So to me, I think... It's very tough to take the emotion out of this, right? Like we all want optimal muscle mass. We all want, you know, sex drive. We all want these things. Uh, I, I think the biggest issue that we probably do agree on is what you said before about a lot of these bodybuilders who are on TRT and why it's so skewed because it's skewed in two ways. Number one, the fact that, as you mentioned, people who are on, I would say really for the most part, anything above 150 milligrams and again there's obviously individual variation and you got to look at free tests and all these other things but on average i think it's very rare that most people are going to need more than 150 milligrams per week to truly re replace right you get 200 plus you're talking about like sports trt and things like that but then also even what i think would be true trt allows people who used to be very enhanced it seems to be if, if they're telling the truth that there's a lot of anecdotes of people Right. A lot of, of anecdotes of people maintaining far more muscle mass because of years of blasting. And somebody who I do believe would be like John Meadows, um, who was, you know, blasting for many years and then 200 milligrams and then 100 milligrams. And, and again, all of these people could be lying, but it, it does seem to be people who I know who are seem to be very honest people maintain on that. So that still skews it where it's like, well, they maybe are on a true TRT, but the average person is then again, the, the knowledge base is skewed versus somebody who's never been on anything they go on 80 to 100 milligrams of trt it, there almost seems to be this environment now online where people act like this is going to give some massive advantage and that's clearly not correct either based on the studies it's not and based on anecdote of people truly doing it so i assume we agree with most of that there yeah that's actually my main point like if you get someone on trt and also the main thing is what i think also people aren't getting with trt is it's not like somebody just goes on TRT. It's a medical issue. So you go on TRT when your doctor has determined that you have low, typically validated twice with blood work, testosterone levels. So in my experience, and probably in the whole podcast, this is how I should have 
um, discuss the topic because it's nuanced and clearly very sensitive for uh, for a lot of people. The whole drug, everything with drug issues and Natty is, uh, I mean, very sensitive. So I should have just probably said what my experience is. And I've consulted with quite some clients. Like on, and for the record, I have clients on gear. I have clients that are natural. I would say, and especially these days, it's 95% natural. And I have clients that are on TRT, clients that go on T during the coaching. And this is mainly where my experience comes from. And if you look at people that go on TRT, actual TRT, like they need it, they have low testosterone level, they go on replacement to get normal physiological functioning. It's two categories. One, they're very old. As if they're really healthy, it's usually in their 60s, like or beyond, where they actually start needing it. If you're very healthy with your lifestyle, fit individual, lean, good diet, even in your 50s, it's not said that you need TRT yet. So it's mostly people 60 plus on one hand, or second population where it's usually idiopathic, hypogonadism, and they're just screwed. Nobody knows why. In that population, I've actually never, never had a doctor identify the cause of the low testosterone levels. In some cases, because sex hormone binding globulin levels are very high. Um, and for some reason, that seems to correct with exogenous testosterone, but not natural testosterone. And probably because you're, you're deregulating the, the feedback mechanism and the fault lines of the feedback mechanism. In any case, it's, it's people that have a medical issue, essentially. And that's also why I think it should be the case that these people should be able to compete because they have a massive disadvantage. Like if you have people that are idiopathic, so basically genetic, low T, they've had that most likely during adolescence, even probably prenatally. And we know that these are the periods that are even more important than your testosterone level later in life because they identify your level of virilization. I think, for example, hand grip strength is a good indicator of sort of general overall fitness. You find that men and women have about the same hand grip strength until puberty, and then male hand grip strength skyrockets. And that is very strongly influenced by testosterone levels and the rise in testosterone levels. So if you don't have that natural rise at that point, you're basically disadvantaged for the rest of your life. Not to mention for the people 60 plus, they're obviously disadvantaged because most master categories are what, 40s, 35 in mm -hmm. some federations. So you're going to be competing with people like 30 years younger. And I don't think that any theoretical advantage of being on TRT as opposed to um, being like lifetime, natural, no, no drugs ever, is going to meaningfully change that and certainly not going to result in a net advantage as opposed to being 30 years younger. Because like, I think we can get into this later. I think there are situations where you could argue that people on TRT have an advantage over people that are natty, but it's, it's not a very clear argument, I would say. And the actual meaningfulness, like the amount of, say, extra muscle mass that you would have or that you could carry into the show is going to be a lot less than that of being, say, 30 years older. Yeah, and, and I think probably one of the biggest things that jumped out at me and a lot of people was the, the competition aspect, right? Like I've, I've said many times on the channel, I've talked about TRT. I don't obviously care what anybody does. I'm not opposed to TRT. I think it could be great for certain people. Um, for me, it was more like the, the actual competition. So let's, I, I broke down a couple of points. We can just kind of go through them. So the one thing I said, uh, which I know what you're going to say, but for the audience, you know, is that when you are on TRT, you can keep levels much more constant versus let's say somebody who's naturally at 800 nanograms per deciliter in the morning, they might be down to 500 nanograms per deciliter, uh, in the evening. 
and versus somebody who's TRT can stay constant. Now, like I said, I know what your answer is, but let's let's go ahead for the audience of what you would respond there. Yeah, this is the argument that I've heard the most as far as TRT being inherently advantageous compared to being natty. And I would say, like, I think most people know what we mean when we say natty, but I think it's good actually to clarify that the term natty has no good definition. But in any case, I think most people know what we, what we mean. And if someone goes on TRT, so the argument is, yeah, their levels are going to be constantly elevated, whereas for a natural individual, they're going to be fluctuating up and down. For someone on TRT, it is not the case that levels are constant. They are going to, if you look at the pharmacokinetic data on like testosterone innovate or cypionate, which I think are still the two most popular options for TRT, uh, longer esters are becoming more popular as well. But I think they, these are still the most commonly prescribed. It's like four and a half days for Enenfate. And yes, that seems short if you find your information on like steroid.com or something. But if you look at actual pharmacokinetic data, it is about 4.5 days. It's not a week. And Cypionate is not much different. Actually, I think some research finds insignificant difference between the two. In any case, it's, it's not that long. It's, uh, I think, also less than a week. Uh, I'd have to check the exact number, but I'm pretty sure it's less than a week. So the injection is going to be once every 10 days or something, or even two weeks sometimes, which means you have at least one half-life, sometimes two half-lives, in extreme cases, three half-lives, and which means that your levels are going to be cut in half, one, two, three times, roughly, during every single uh, injection cycle from one to the next. So th there are actually massive decreases and changes from one injection to the next in typical TRT protocols. Now, you could just inject daily or something. For one, that's usually not under your control. And it, in the end, it just comes back to dosage. Like, you could keep it naturally all the time at 800, and even though naturally it would maybe fluctuate between 900 and 600, and then the total accumulated area under the curve would be bigger. It just comes back to dosage. So, like, that's the thing. When you're on TRT, whether you're actually on TRT just replacing or whether you're just on low-dose steroids comes down to whether um, you're going to use more, equating the total area under the curve versus what you would have had naturally or what a healthy individual would have naturally. More often, that's the case, as opposed to before. So, yeah, I mean, so with the esters, it's interesting because I actually have one client on, he, he's uh, from Australia and he's on Undecanoe. And so I'm actually shocked by how steady his levels are. Like he'll, he'll get an injection once every 10 to 12 weeks and they are surprisingly steady. But on- How do you determine their steady? Like do you do blood sports every day of the week? Or? Um, I should say that he has had blood work done at like week one, three and five and mm -hmm. at like different times. And you know, with Undecanoe, it's multiple esters. So yeah, it's not like a daily measurement, but I'm, I would have expected, obviously, if you were to do that with certain esters, it would just keep going down over the 12 weeks. Mm -hmm. um, I totally agree that with a standard medical practice of even once a week, but especially every two weeks is flawed. This is an area where I'd say bodybuilders seem to be ahead of medicine in that regard. Um, and there are papers supporting that, right? Obviously more study levels. I would say practically most people aren't going to do daily, but I think many people that I've talked to do two to three times per week, which would keep it steadier. Um, as far as it being, it, it all comes down to dosage. I would say partly, however, again, there's some evidence that with more frequent injections, you have less aromatization. And so even though total dosage might be the same, you could have less conversion to estrogen, so higher testosterone levels. Um, and then I don't, I don't know if there's any evidence necessarily to say, well, any evidence. I don't know if there's great evidence to say that 
just because there's the same area under curve, it's going to be the exact same results. You know, I don't, for, I mean, you could take that to the extreme and say, just spike the crap out of it and then have a long period of n- almost no testosterone levels. And, and other examples like this with the body, like calories, sure, it's calories in versus calories out. But I don't know if we'd say it's exactly the same physiologically to have 10,000 calories and then 1,000 for six days versus 16,000 calories spread evenly. So, and I don't think it's a bad point you're making. I'm just, I don't know if we have enough evidence to say that it's exactly based on the area under the curve. Yeah. I mean, I would say currently the evidence, the most parsimonious and simplest explanation of all the literature, I would say is the total area under the curve determines essentially everything. And maybe like, I've, I think I've seen the study you're referring to with frequent injections. I think there's other data that finds doesn't matter so much. And I'm not even sure if that was in humans. Like, I think most literature finds that even between different compounds, the effects are almost identical. Like, DECA seems to be weaker even than testosterone in one study. And there's one low-dose study on TREN versus testosterone. And TREN's widely regarded as, like, way more hardcore, right? Mm. And they also found equivalent uh, anabolic effects. So... And there's a meta-analysis actually on the different compounds altogether, like everything thrown in there from the literature. And if you just plot everything, then it all fits on a logarithmic dose response curve. So How are they measuring weaker and stronger here? I think in one study it was actually lean body mass. And with the trend, I'm not sure if that was anabolic signaling or muscle mass. Uh, either way, the, none of the research is ideal. Probably the meta-analysis we have is the best, but it just lumped everything together and they're actually looking at lean body mass. And they just look at the effects of the, the therapy, or in this case, it was also steroid using studies and everything. And they found, yeah, it's just just the dosage that determines the vast majority of effects. So it's like, yeah, maybe, maybe there is a maybe there is a possible difference, but I think it's going to be pretty marginal. So uh, second point we brought up was free testosterone levels. So um, you know a lot of people they're familiar with the total, right? They'll say yeah, two fifty or three hundred on the low end, and depending on the lab, nine hundred up to even twelve hundred uh, is at the upper range of normal. However, on average, when people take TRT, I mean one of the telltale signs is that their free testosterone is proportionally much higher relative to their total, and so given that most people would agree free testosterone is is really what matters and what's working. Sure, you could say, well, dosing wise, we're just going to bring the free testosterone up to what it normally would be. But given the, I guess, how ubiquitous it is to just look at total, I would imagine that even if we say, okay, you know, just replace your natural levels, okay, I'm going to bring my total up to 800 in this example, their free testosterone could be 50% or higher than somebody who's naturally at that level, even if we are ignoring the whole area into curve topic we just talked about. Mm-hmm. I would agree if that is the case, but I don't think it is the case. Like in the seminal study by Basin et al., the proportion of the free and total testosterone actually were the same in healthy individuals. I've, I've seen in some individuals who have this idiopathic hypogonadism where there's something wrong with sex hormone binding globulin or the rate of aromatization, there. Uh, it does happen. And like I said, we see that exogenous testosterone, for some reason, normalizes this. Um, but in healthy individuals, I don't think it's true. Like in Basin's study, the, it, there is no greater effect on free testosterone levels. Looking, I mean, I can at least say anecdotally, which obviously would, would not hold as much value, but anecdotally, a lot of people I know who have used, and, and you know, I'll see testosterone in the 
I, it was still within normal range and their free testosterone is well above normal range. I mean, I, I've seen it so many times that it would be hard for me to believe if I saw a study that you see something so many times, it's like, how would this be the case? Um, I mean, I imagine you, you've must've seen some trends with the number of clients you've had over the years. Have you not? I mean, I, like I said, I see it in the individuals where they have some problem with sex hormone binding globulin or something, but I don't see it in, in other individuals. Like someone who just gets old or something mm-hmm. and they view on CRT. I, I don't really see this massive imbalance of free versus total. In any case, if that were the case, and I think doctors should definitely either way look at free or bioavailable testosterone as the basis, uh, not total testosterone, I think that's it's you said it's, it's mostly i think it's almost exclusively relevant what free or bioavailable testosterone is as a pair to as opposed to the total the total is almost irrelevant because if the testosterone is bound then it's not doing anything it's not biologically active so it's the bioavailable testosterone that is actually bioactive is doing something in your body so that's also probably what doctors should be paying attention to which is i think another area where the doctors are not really doing so well because many mm-hmm. tests they don't even look at it they just look at the total Right, right. Yeah, they, they might not even test it, even if they, like you said, they might not look at it if they order it. I know some who don't even order it. Um, I know one endocrinologist who believes that for most people, unless there's something out of the ordinary, like like they're very obese um, or something else medically is going on, that they tend to be pretty proportional. Um, but uh, as we said, I think it still makes sense to look at it. Um, I think these two points we're discussing right now are relevant for even the gen pop right so and i think we mostly agree but obviously some some disagreement there i think the next two are very relevant to competitors and and whether or not we could say it you're effectively natural or you should be able to compete naturally um and, and the main one is that when you compete your levels almost across the board are going to tank you know i mean it's, it's extremely common for people to report hypogonadal levels i would say that's actually the norm if you're truly getting contest lean um so now you can maintain this 800 nanograms per deciliter level while the person you're competing against who's truly natural age match is going to maybe be at 200 and, and i think that's probably one of the strongest points so yeah i think that is by far um the, the the best point against people competing on trt uh, we should probably also get into that because one thing i should not have said which i'm not sure if it's wrong but it might be wrong i said that most federations are okay with it and it's almost certainly true that most shows are okay with it we can get into that uh, probably as the next part but i'm not sure if it's true that most federations are okay with it so probably have to correct myself on that like yeah but you, you can decide if we leave that for later the, as for the arguments that you brought up, like your testosterone level is going to be steady on TRT, whereas if you're natty, it's going to decrease. That's, I think, a very good argument. How much it matters, that I'm not convinced of. And especially because, like we're saying, we're talking about either individuals with a genetic disadvantage or an age disadvantage in the vast majority of cases on actual TRT, that disadvantage of having your testosterone level stay at say 600 as opposed to it's going down to 300 it's not really said how low it normally goes in competitors but i fully agree with you it typically goes it doesn't go up and some people even go hypogonal now how much this matters that i'm not sure of because if we look at rates of muscle loss in competitors they're actually about the same as people that diet in, in general like 25 percent lean mass on average i think and if you look at competitors that do well, they lose 
almost no muscle mass, sometimes none. So how much better can you get it than that? And so you, you get, would get maybe rid of that little muscle loss that there is. It would be easier. But it's also questionable if that really matters in the relatively short term because the effects of testosterone are genomic. So they take, there was a one study where they found that it took a month before there was any change in muscle protein synthesis levels. And if you look at the effects of well, the TRT literature, it typically takes like three months before the effect is mostly fully manifest. And in some research on steroid users, they go off steroids, they stop measuring at three months, and they at the end of the three months, they're still bigger than where they were uh, before the cycle. So we're talking about a latency effect that is at least a month, probably three months or so before there's semi-full effect, probably six months before it's 100% full effect. So in a typical contest prep, how much would that matter? I don't think it would be enough to offset the, the disadvantage that most people have on TRT. And I think this is, the, this is the main thing where I fully agree with you. Like if you have a natural individual and they're just going on TRT as recreational drug, uh, they're like, doing it to compete or something, they are going to have a level of advantage. But I don't think that in practice, that is going to be the case with the people that go on actual TRT. And I think we should also consider the, the flip side of saying, okay, you cannot compete on TRT because you're talking about these individuals that don't want it and you're telling them, well, you can't compete anymore, right? So, and this is, I definitely don't agree with trans athletes competing in uh, women's teams, but yeah, in an age where- the analogy that popped up. <laughs> yes, exactly. So in an age where trans athletes can compete with women, like people that are biologically male, that this would be minor compared to that, right? So, and I, I really don't, in my clients that I've seen, and in all these cases where I've had clients that competed while they were on TRT, and we just emailed or called, they called the organization and said, look, this is, this is the situation, we'd like to compete, but um, like strictly it's on, the, it's on the WADA list. And they said, it's fine. And that's also what I said with like most federations are okay with it. If you look at like top federations, so it's going to be, okay, IFBB. IFBB is, most people don't even notice, but IFBB is technically an heavy federation. And they, I think they lost their WADA compliance recently, only recently, like, <laughs> which is kind of hilarious. But uh, WADA found out that the people competing in the IFB, like the Mr. Olympia, may not be natty. Hmm. So they lost their WADA compliance. Uh, but technically, the IFB is a natty federation. I mean, nobody will argue that they're actually natty. If someone is on TRT, that's honestly, that's going to be like the, the lowest of the problems. Like, they're going to be like, oh, this guy, we actually know he's on low-dose gear, better than the other 99% who are on high-dose gear, for sure, but we can prove it, or we don't care. Mostly they don't care, right? The, the leader, uh, I think they're owned by the leader empire. Mm -hmm. um, and also that the MPC is owned by the same empire. It's like, MPC is, I think, the biggest show at the moment. I'm not 100% sure. MPC is kind of the same, right? It's technically an ID federation. They're called, I mean, most people also, I think, don't realize that MPC stands for Natural Physique Committee. But... I mean, nobody's going to argue that the people competing, and especially winning NBC shows, are, are natty. And then we have WBFF, which I like a lot. They actually, they don't care. So it's like, they're one of the organizations that literally don't even pretend to be natty. They're just legit non-natty or open, which I think is much better because the, the, these kind of issues are the result of this whole underground thing. Like, in, every, in, my, experience, in my opinion, everything should just be open. It should be like 
we should be able to distinguish. Of course, how we achieve that is difficult, but people should be able to compete when they're natty or not natty. Should just, everything should just be open. But yeah, that's not the world we live in. And then we have, I think, another super big one is NABA, uh, which natural blah, 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 bodybuilding, Australian, Australian, maybe Australian Bodybuilding Association. The natural is, uh, is a big question mark in that mm -hmm. one. It's like NBC. Uh, so, and I think that's like the biggest shows. And then there, there are certainly some federations who are actually natty. I think WB, WNBF, WNBF, World Natural Body World Natural Bodybuilding Federation. Damn, that's um, they're actually natty. Like they are legit natty. They are tested. They, they do their best at least. That doesn't mean that everyone competing there is natty. Uh, I think there's still for sure some some use uh, because it's just so easy to get um, to to fraud the test or there's corruption or uh, you just use something like um, what's it called like the water-based aquas testosterone and it's you have to test them like one or two days within one or two days. Otherwise it's going to be out of the system. Mm -hmm. And yeah, I mean, not to give people ideas, but there's, there are a lot of ways that you can, uh, you can fake tests really easily. Sure. So, but that's, that's the best we have at the moment. And the vast majority of the shows are either they're clearly not natty and they don't even pretend to be natty. Uh, most of the shows are technically natty shows, but really in practice are not like the vast majority of people that win the shows are going to be enhanced. And then there's uh, probably a relatively small, I think growing, that's great, but small still proportion of shows that are actually natty and tested and they, they live by the, the natty label. Right. So, and, and that will kind of, that, that kind of bleeds into the fourth point, but I'll, I'll stick with the original point there on, on the levels dropping during the, the, prep so it's well one funny comment i would say though is as you know you mentioned it can take a month or more for some of these effects to really be noticed and i will say that is one of the funny things that i'll talk like i always <laughs> bring up how a lot of enhanced bodybuilders just bodybuilders in general i feel like are very delusional about a lot of things and one of those is a lot of these enhanced guys will come off for a month or two months they're like oh i'm cleaning out my whole system i'm off everything mm -hmm. it's not even that bad like i could maintain this naturally and it's like you just have no idea what would happen if you came off for six months or a year and they're just completely underestimating the effects because they think hey i'm off for a month and like you said they might even still be bigger because they still have a lot in their system so um side point but just something no 100 it's, it's even funnier because i know that um one traditional like for the old school guys and a lot of people still do this the pros they go off for two weeks mm. but then they're on stuff like cypionate mfa that's ridiculous dosages right if you really look at their levels they're not even off yet they're they're not not even hypogonal like they're still super physiological yeah after two weeks right so it's not like they're off they're just slightly lower but still ridiculously enough yeah yeah for sure um but but as far as how much it affects i mean you know a lot a lot of people especially nowadays their contest preps are i mean it's not like the old days of 10 to 12 weeks i mean you know again for the enhanced guys yeah but a lot of naturals are prepping for sometimes even six months, which I think might be a, a little, you know, long, but um, they're prepping for a very long time. And then you could make the argument that because they're prepping for a long time, their levels aren't going to drop until those last few months, which is a fine argument. But um, I think, again, just from my clients who have dieted with and without legitimate TRT, it seems to make a, a significant difference. Um, but also, I think, you know, we, we have studies showing obviously that higher testosterone on average does lead to more muscle mass, e even within the physiological range, right? I mean, the difference between 300 and 900 might not make 
an earth shattering difference, but it's significant. Um, but I, I think if you're talking about three months of, let's say below your typical levels, I'm not trying to say it's a difference of like 15 pounds of muscle, but I am saying that you are competing against people who do not have that advantage. But then also there's a potentially psychological benefit. You maybe you're, you're one person is so drained that, you know, I don't know how many times I've heard Lane Norton talk about his story, how he, he couldn't get off the couch. So he just watched the crappy TV show because he didn't even want to get the remote because he was so dead versus potentially, again, I don't think TRT is the magic that everybody thinks it will. I don't, I think if you're in contest prep, you're going to be tired regardless, but it might be an advantage if you can push your workouts harder, right? You're a little bit more motivated. You can stay on track better. And how much does that add up over months and months? I, I think it could be significant. Yeah, I mean, I fully agree that it's, there might be an effect. As for the mental effects, I think there's are mostly placebo slash nocebo. If you look at like or also the Basin study, where they have people that weren't sure whether they're getting uh, testosterone or not, and they weren't bodybuilders, they just like just get a random person injection basically, and they're like, this might be hormonal. Then you, you see actually no effects on their cognition, their moods, their well-being, also their aggression, by the way. Now, if you get to hypogonadal levels, probably there is going to be a decrease. And most research indeed finds this. So, yeah, it comes down to do you actually go to hypogonadal levels? How long does your prep last? And then how big of an advantage are we talking about? Like in the TRT literature, I was one of the few people in evidence-based fitness that actually believed testosterone within the physiological race had any impact on lean body mass like a few years ago. Like the consensus was pretty much, there was this graph going around where the, the dose response was supposed to be like going up in hypogonadal range and then flat in the physiological range and then going up again in the supra-physiological range. And that actually, it was in a scientific paper and it was widespread. Like if you look at most of the evidence-based guys from then, um, there were also some articles, some posts on that. And we're saying like, look, it doesn't matter. Also with the idea of higher fat diets, for example, being relevant, we're like, it, all of this doesn't matter. And for the record, um, I actually never believe this. I think that within the physiological race, there is a difference and this will give an advantage in this case. So my position is basically fully acknowledge that and there will be an advantage in the population of PR people on TRT. I think this is not big enough of a disadvantage to either prevent them from, or to both prevent them from competing and to uh, offset any most likely a disadvantage that they already have. Like what I've seen in people on TRT and my clients, they're probably still worse off on average because if you are like people with low testosterone, it, it's already a big stigma and everything, but they, they don't have the best genetics in my experience. And whether it's due to age, of course, it's also, um, yeah, it's, you know, when you're 60 years old, you're, you're on the decline physically speaking. Yeah. I guess it depends on what are we like, what is this disadvantage? Because if we're saying that the disadvantage is just to worse genetics, or I mean, even even with aging, but especially the worst genetics, you could say, well, this person's naturally at 300 nanograms per deciliter, or they're 40 years old. I don't disagree that potentially it's evening the playing field. But I think it becomes a very slippery argument of where does that stop? Right. Because it would be like, it would be great if everybody had the same genetics. I mean, not literally great, but in, in the sense of fairness. But the only difference was how hard you work. Right. That would be great. You know, right? just based on your moral ethics or your, um, your work ethic and, and all of that. But that just isn't reality. And obviously, Ronnie Coleman could work one tenth as hard as us and still trounce us. So if we're okay with doing that with testosterone, 
what if we eventually have something that inhibits myostatin a little bit, right? What if we can also do that with growth hormone? Because we're trying to match what somebody, the, the best genetic specimen who is natural, and we're trying to match that to even the playing field I, versus uh, maybe not the ideal solution, but maybe the best we have is, look, you just can't take anything. What you have is what you have. And sorry, life isn't fair, but that's that's what we have. And I, I feel like that's at least a little bit more straightforward and people justifying more and more because I could say, well, I could take two grams of tests. I'm still not going to be as big as Ronnie. So I'm just trying to even the playing field. Mm -hmm. Yeah, no, I think that should be 100% up to the, um, the Federation. If they want to make that claim, then they should. I mean, that's, I think what the WNBF does. I think they don't even allow, they explicitly disallow uh, TRT actually. And it's probably also because of the current environment where TR TRT is like low dose steroids for a lot of people. So, I think you should always do it the way what I do with my clients, where if you have someone on TRT and you're competing in a federation where you're not sure if that's supposed to be the intent, you should discuss that with the federation. If they allow it, it means their things, their show, then it should be okay. But you should always play open cards. Like that's that goes without saying, I would say. Yeah. Which and all all those kind of tied into that fourth point, which is more just this is much more this is less of a, a physiological argument and more of just an ethical argument of unfortunately which is human nature by opening those doors you will inevitably have people in quote-unquote natural competitions who of course some people already do cheat but this opens it up for so much more cheating right like i don't know if you ever watch mma but there was like an age where trt was allowed and you know it was just these guys were cranked and then they'd get tested and then it's the same thing with bodybuilding right you can come in hey i'm a trt so therefore looking at the tde ratio is kind of irrelevant because you're already admitting that you're on trt and you just open yourself up to 48 weeks of blasting and then maybe four weeks of trt now i understand that you're not advocating for that at all i'm just saying it it really like people already say there's no such thing as natural bodybuilding i disagree but i get their point I think if you open up TRT and, and all natural federations, it, it really becomes so muddy. There really would be almost no true winners that are natural. It might be. Um, I mean, I would say that the federations that want to keep it like the most natty, if you're doing like the natural Mr. Olympia, then yeah, I would probably side with the WNBF kind of style of doing the most strict and rigorous drug testing and not allowing any kind of niche cases or exceptions or anything. For most people, though, bodybuilding is like, I mean, it's it's like a beauty pageant. You know, there's there's not much money involved. There's not much status involved. Status involved. How many people are going to be in the crowd for like the average local show or a regional show? You're talking about like 20 people in the crowd, off, mm -hmm. you know? So, like, in that sense, I don't have like a, a super big um, ethical uh, judgment against, against these things because I just don't consider it like it's not the Olympics, you know? And at the Olympics, you, you probably should have those rules. But another thing with slippery slope argument is, like you say, people are already cheating. And will this make it easier to cheat? It might. But it's also not like, and a lot of people act like this, you could just go on TRT. Like, oh, you know, tomorrow I'm, I'm going on TRT. Like, you need to go to a doctor that will prescribe you TRT. Like, I mean, in some countries, you can just get it over the counter. But then you're not on TRT because you're only on TRT. Well, you could say you're on TRT, I suppose. But typically, you would have to have a prescription and a doctor diagnosis that you are on TRT and you have a diagnosis of hypogonadism or something to, to do it. And you don't control the dosage. 
you have to do blood work also like periodically to show that your levels are still normal. So you, you don't even set the dosage. You don't choose the compound. Like it's all the doctor. And you also don't, can just, you know, the average bodybuilder, especially these days, I think it's actually, you're going to have more luck getting, I don't know what kind of drugs from a doctor than testosterone. Like there are actually a few like stimulants and, and testosterone, like androgens in general, are so heavily regulated that my experience is actually a lot of people that genuinely need TRT are not getting it because especially if they're jacked, I've had some cases where the doctor literally told them, like, you don't look like you need TRT. It's like one of my clients was, you know, already muscular, not like Ronnie Coleman, but like muscular for the average individual. They're like, you look fine. Or they're like, yeah, look, you, you have a beard and uh, you're somewhat muscular. Like, you can't have low testosterone. Like, yeah, even though the blood work clearly shows they do have it. So, yeah, in that sense, I, I kind of agree with you. I see where you're going. Um, I think it should be up to the Federation, whether they want to, uh, which, which game they want to play. Yeah. So I agree with that last point about the Federation. I would say you're highly overestimating the the regulation, at least that I've seen in, in the U.S. I have, without a doubt, I mean, not just because I have a lot of friends who are physicians, but I have, without a doubt, could get a TRT prescription within the next month. And that's, yeah. and that's through a legitimate source of which... I would say most people do not go through. Um, I would say probably at least half of the people who are on TRT that, you know, on like Instagram and whatnot are getting it through a friend or, or getting it through, you know, whatever dealer online. I mean, I know it's incredibly easy to get it online. So, but even if you want to go through a legitimate doctor, there's so many of these places now, these like TRT clinics and whatnot, I think it would just be exceptionally easy if somebody is determined to do it. Uh, not, I'm not saying the average Joe Schmo could just say, hey, I'm going to do it. But I mean, Patients of mine who have just told me about it, I, I think it's very easy. Um, right. And and I think even <laughs> um, just going back to some of doctors' ignorance, I actually had an endocrinologist fellow who I got testosterone checked when I was dieting versus bulked, and it was about twice as high when I was bulked up, and still like like middle of of the range. And she asked me, she's like, "Wow, your testosterone is a lot higher. Are, are you feeling like really aggressive? Like any like bouts of rage?" And I was just, I just laughed. I was like, "No, I'm not." But you know, just to show, obviously, a lot of doctors are ignorant. So um, it it is regulated, but it it's still quite easy to get. Yeah, I think I think actually that that might be true in the US because my experience is mostly with European clients mm -hmm. that really struggle to find a doctor that knows anything about it. They can't get the prescription. And I actually know that now that I think about it, one client also in the US, like a woman that emailed one of them and they were just like, oh, and I see you're into fitness. Like we can also give you this and this. Really? And, and I was like, okay, different clinic. <laughs> what is this? But yeah, I mean, in the US it might be a different story. I guess it depends on the country, obviously in Europe, because I know in, um, in England, I believe it's just fully legal, right? Um, so actually, I lived in England for a while and I had clients there. And I looked this up, but this was like 10 years ago. Mm -hmm. And the law at that time, I think it, it recently changed because everywhere in Europe it changed. There was like a big scandal in Norway where Norway went from like being pro-open anything to being like using steroids is, is the devil's work. They're mm -hmm. going to iron fist. And in the UK, so again, this is like 10 years ago. But at the time, the rules were it's okay to use it recreationally. It's okay to buy it it's okay to no it's not okay to produce it i think um, but it's not okay to sell it and it's not okay to import it so the rule was basically 
you are okay as long as you are sponsoring an underground lab from Britain. <laughs> <laughs> Which is, I don't know if that was intentional or just a really stupid rule, probably the latter, considering yeah. governments with these matters. But yeah, and in a lot of places, the rules are, in, in the Netherlands, the rule is like, it's, it's kind of condoned. Like, I think recreational use is okay, but buying is not, importing is not, producing is not. So it's like, it's okay if you use it, but you're not supposed to be able to get it. Yeah, like, right, right. Interesting. Um, so somewhat relevant, but when you uh, when you have clients diet down to varying levels, if I recall, you're generally an advocate of a higher fat diet. Is that right? Mm-hmm. And is one of the main reasons there for keeping testosterone levels higher? Yeah. And what advantage do you feel that provides them compared to if they had a very low fat diet? Some, I think it it's prevents some of the decline you see with people that go aggressively low fat. Like I think a lot of natural trainees that try like the the standard enhanced bodybuilding diet from these days, which is almost zero fat. And I think it definitely helps compared to that because that's horrendous. I mean, even if you're not in contest prep, I think a lot of people after a couple months on that don't feel great. So I think it, it helps to some extent on that. It's probably going to be, it's a similar ballpark, probably. The thing with fat is there's also similar ballpark to... to TRT. Like, really? because you, you, ma- so? you maintain, well, it depends on, like, we're talking, depends on the exact magnitudes we're talking about. I think fat diets, you're getting maybe a 20% difference compared to, um, if you go from like low fat to high fat, which requires like maybe 10%, 10, 20, 20% you're lucky. If you're competing or you're uh, comparing it with somebody who was like zero fat, I think you'll be able to get 20%. Like the Vidic study found 33% going up to really high fat intakes, but um, from actually they didn't measure the baseline, I think, but it wasn't zero at least. Sure. So, so let's say here we would say to somebody, okay, you're considering a zero gram or you know, effectively a zero fat diet, right? And if we have you in a higher fat or optimal fat diet, we're talking at best 20%, right? So maybe that's mm-hmm. the difference between 300 nanograms per deciliter and 360 nanograms per deciliter, right? And Yeah, I mean, most literature is on people that have normal levels, right? I don't know if it percentage-wise stays the same. Like maybe the percentage becomes bigger at lower levels. But yeah, okay, okay, let's, let's say, sure. let's say, let's say even three to 400 then, right? 33% increase. And our... Our advice there is to say, hey, let's do that because we want to put everything in our favor. And and with that 100 nanograms per deciliter increase, we're likely to see better results. And yet, and again, I know you're not saying it doesn't make a difference, but I could see somebody listening saying, well, this guy's saying let's increase fat for a maybe 20% increase in testosterone. Oh, but Mm -hmm. by the way, if we take TRT and bump from 300 to 800 for the entire time, eh, you're effectively natural. You know, a little bit of a discrepancy Mm -hmm. there. Well, it's different, right? Because one is, this is what you can do. Like you're natty, and I don't consider TRT an option that you have, right? I'm not giving my clients the option like, um, like it's not something I would recommend. Hey, just go on TRT for this show. So I think that's the crux of the argument, essentially, where TRT is not something you decide. It's something that happens to you. Yeah, I, I guess it. I mean, it's still something you decide to go on. I mean, it's a you're going yeah, on it if, for the beneficial effect. If you need it, if you need it, need in what sense though? Like who who needs like low testosterone levels? Sure, but 
I, I'm just saying, like, like, I don't know how you quantify like need. Does somebody at 400 nanograms per deciliter need it? Does somebody at 300 nanograms per deciliter? Every hypogonadal bodybuilder needs it, right? I, I'm at 100 nanograms. I'm contest lean. I need testosterone. I just think it. Mm -hmm. it how do you quantify need? Well, typically the way a doctor would quantify it, like if you're, so you've tried all lifestyle interventions to maximize your testosterone level and you're still hypogonadal. So under, I think 300 is the normal lower end of the range. So under that, and then you have to retest and see that you're again under that. And you have to see that you're symptomatic. It's also very important because if you're not symptomatic, you feel great and your levels are low. It's like, well, does that matter? I don't know. And free should also be low. So basically, I think the, the standard diagnostic criteria are total is low, free is low, or even just free might be enough, and symptomatic. And I would argue on the side of you're symptomatic and your levels are like maybe just over the range, you probably still benefit from it, like physiologically and mentally, whatever. So it's not like you can just go on it. Like if there was like a, a lifestyle intervention or something that could have that effect, then yeah, I would recommend that. Sure. Well, yeah, and lifestyle is the other thing, right? So it, it's tough because it's like, how many people on TRT are the doctors? And I don't, and to be clear, I don't think medications need to be only prescribed when all factors in life are perfect, right? I don't think that, you know, I, I don't, I'm not super well informed on antidepressants, but for instance, I wouldn't say, well, you know, you're really depressed, but I don't want you to do this until you're getting eight hours of sleep, you're exercising an hour a day, you're getting optimal sunlight, you're de-stressing. If you're still depressed after that, like, no, like there's just life happens, right? And reality is there. So I'm not trying to say that I would only ever prescribe TRT in those situations. However, I just think it muddies the water a little bit in terms of need because it's like, well, did you just finish a, a prep or did you just finish dieting? Are you stressed out? Are you obese? Like, it, it just is, becomes very, uh, a lot of people could say, well, they're taking the easy way out. There were lifestyle factors. And then, you know, you could say this thing about like um, any, any sort of weight loss drug, right? How much do they need it versus are you, are you optimizing your diet? Almost nobody would need a medication for it if they were optimizing diets. So uh, I'm not saying I have the answer. I just think it, it, it does complicate things. Yeah, for sure. I mean, I agree with that. Yeah. So, uh, well, that's pretty much everything I have on the, the TRT topic. I, I don't know. I think it's just interesting for people to listen to. I, I'm sure, depending on if, if people heard this on your channel, you probably have 80% comments saying, yeah, Meno knows what he's talking about. And if it was 80% on my channel, you know, it's going to be very biased. So I am interested to hear, though, people comment down below on, on their thoughts on this. Um, obviously, I'll, I'll share it around. Any Anything you think we did not address or any final points on it? Let me see. Actually, I made a, I made a note. Mm. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Actually um one thing you you said in your video i think you either literally said or strongly suggested like i intend to compete on trt and that, that is not the case like i didn't you? say that yeah i think you said in your video you, like yeah you said that in the comments too and i point out i can go back and listen to it i don't recall saying that because i don't recall even thinking that that you specifically were going to do that um because that you never even competed right yeah i did but you did oh, okay um so, so maybe I'm wrong. Um, if I did say that, I didn't mean to imply that that's your plan. Uh, maybe I'm misremembering. But uh, I, I think I maybe just said that you were going to go on, but not necessarily compete. But yeah, I, I, I couldn't understand the confusion also from my side, because in my the way I in the interview, I kind of equivocated three things between me going on TRT, me going on TRT plus, which is and I'm not pretending that that's normal TRT. And I certainly wouldn't pretend to be on normal TRT while I'm actually just an ass and then compete. 
Mm-hmm. And probably by the time I go on TRT, my competition days are over. They're, I mean, honestly, they're probably already over. Um, and and then the other thing is like the the rules of federations, which I didn't go into at all. I just said like, yeah, it, it is possible for for people to compete when they're on TRT. Yeah, which I think I should have given like multiple caveats to that. So definitely did not make a great um, case during that interview for that. So I think it's good that we have this talk and that yeah. we can give. Like people's my full for both of us our viewpoints and then they can sign up to make up their own minds. I think we both have very reasonable viewpoints on this, and realize not everyone is going to agree with me. Maybe some people think that uh, there's more emphasis to be placed on like federations being strict, and other people might have more of a tolerance argument to saying like people that are on TRT they're already disadvantaged. Let's let them compete. And some people might say, well, speculative advantage or TRT is enough to disqualify and other people are just going to say, well, we're not going to disqualify someone for a theoretical advantage because research, we don't have research on this, right? We have research showing that TRT, actual TRT, doesn't have an advantage for muscle mass. If you go higher, you do have an advantage. It, will, it basically all comes back to the dose. That's what we know. And based on that, we can make up our own minds. And I think the most important part, parts are for everyone that you should be open if you're going to compete. Whatever you're using, you should tell your federation, um, whether it's TRT or, or whatever, and choose a federation that matches with your goals. Like I don't think anybody would advocate just lying or whatever in these things. And even though it, it happens a lot, unfortunately. Sure. And yeah, I think people can make up their own minds. Do you have, I mean, I know you said eventually you will go on TRT. I'm sure you don't have a... a date necessarily is it just are you gonna symptomatically assess things and then you you did touch on how in an ideal world you would actually be able to surpass where you were naturally again if it's true to your team maybe it's not dramatic um, but you kind of have like a general outline for your plans there yeah i'm going to use the same diagnostic criteria that i outlined that i think are like should be the standard among doctors which is low T symptomatic, but in my case, I'm going to go with more as soon as I see T declining and I notice the first symptoms, and I'm not saying this is how you should do it, this is 100% just my personal preference, then I'm probably going to go on TRT. So I'll probably go on, maybe a doctor would only give it to me when I'm 65 because I'm in good health, but I might go on at age 50, right? Mm. So yeah, and that's just personally how I'm going to do it. And when I do, especially if I decide to compete, and I've said multiple times before on podcasts as well, when I do this, I'm probably actually going to do a full cycle and go on gear. And I'll let people know because by that time, it's like, well, you don't have much to lose for. Of course, it depends on what my life situation and everything is. I'm not going to make any promises that I'm going to go on gear and show people what, what can be done on gear. But by that time, I would let people know, and or at least suddenly, because you'd be admitting to a crime in some cases. Yeah. <laughs> but, you know, suddenly let people know I've gone over to the dark side. And show the difference. I think that would also be super informative and good for people to know. And then I compete in a federation where that is okay, or at least it's condoned, where I know that most of my competition is also. Yeah. And how old are you, Menno? 33. 33. Okay. And yeah, still got some time to go. Yeah, oh. right, right. Do you have any concerns? I mean, obviously, there are health concerns with actually blasting gear. I was going to ask if you had any concerns about legitimate TRT. Um, you know, I, I I personally don't think it's that problematic, but obviously if you're saying you're actually going to go on a cycle at, you know, 50, any concerns there? I don't know your, you know, life philosophies here, but. 
I mean, that's for sure a concern. Uh, I'm going to do blood work and everything, make sure everything stays okay, do it in the, the most medically responsible manner, which still isn't going to be clinically medically responsible. Uh, that's just a trade-off that people uh, want to make for themselves. I don't think there are a lot of people on gear. Like Some people drink alcohol. I don't drink alcohol. I eat super healthy. Some people have a lot more leeway with the diet. I have very little. But this would be, I place a very high value in life on experiences, and this would be certainly one hell of an experience, I would hope, yeah. to, that maybe justifies. But again, you know, I'm talking 20 years into the future, and I've learned that uh, it's very hard to predict your life preferences from uh, at earlier times, kind of what sure. you were also saying. In terms of um, TRT having downsides, that's debated, but I would certainly be in the camp of it not having medical downsides. Most research find there's no difference in all-cause mortality. There is some research that there might be a difference in cardiovascular mortality, but then there's an improvement in things like diabetes risk. Right. So it just it changes your physiology. There is no get-out-of-jail-free card. You know, you, there's nothing you can do to do physiologically to meaningfully alter it and then not have some effects as well that you may not like. So in that sense, I would say the effects you're going to get are very much the effects you would have had if you had that level naturally. So that it doesn't have, it's like most research finds, it's net neutral for your health, but it will have some downsides, some upsides probably. I think for most people by far, uh, it is worth it because quality of life improves. So, yeah, yeah. The, the studies on TRT are, a lot of them are a mess, right? Like they're, they're not well controlled. They're, they're, yeah, there's a lot of issues with them. Um, it does seem like the higher quality studies, as, as you mentioned, that the same uh, overall mortality, maybe a slightly increased risk, cardiovascular issues. But even then, I, I think if you're on top of things like many of us would be, hopefully that that risk would be diminished. And then, you know, if, if it's a substantial difference in how you're feeling, it's easy to say this when you're young, like some, you know, you see some young guys who say, who cares if I live to be over 70? I, I wouldn't agree with that, but if it's the difference between 85 and 88, maybe that is worth, you know, the quality of life difference there. So um, I'm in no way against TRT. I, I know some people are super like, they're just like a natty pride. And, and that's definitely not what I'm like trying to promote here. I, I think it's great for health reasons to stay natural for most of your life compared to using gear. Um, but I, but I certainly think there's legitimate reasons for TRT and, and at an older age, I, I think it can be a fine life decision. Mm -hmm. Yeah, I would say one thing to the people that's probably gonna generate some hate again in terms of like the natty, natty pride um, people. I've definitely had some people that were like, oh, you know, you lost all my respect for saying that you're going on TRT or you might go on gear later. Um, great if that's your life philosophy. But I think that that mentality is actually a big part of the problem why we're in the situation we're in now with bodybuilding, where everyone is like natural bodybuilder in their, in their like the big influencers. And that's almost a telltale sign now they're not natty. And there's like drugs are like the big pink elephant in the room right now with bodybuilding. And that's because people can't openly discuss it because if everyone was like, yeah, you know, some people use, some people don't use, it's up to them, you can make it legal, whatever, it wouldn't be such a big deal. And we'd have a lot more transparency. And like, and you can't both be like natty for life, anyone that even discusses it or whatever is uh, to be burned at the stake, but then at the same time fault uh, all these influencers for not saying it because, well, for one, they've been into a crime in many cases, but also you, you're creating the incentives for them to lie and do everything, which is never right, but you're giving them massive, massive incentives for it. So I think if people were just 
a little bit more open-minded about these things, we could actually have a much better industry where we can actually have natural bodybuilding. And for the people that want to do that, they can do that. For people that are enhanced, they can do it their way. They can do it in a more medically responsible manner. That would, in my view, be a better way of doing things than what we have now, because honestly, right now, the natty bodybuilding or bodybuilding scene as a whole is a mess. Many people are massively messing up their health. And like you say, there was a widespread saying that natural bodybuilding uh, doesn't exist, which I also don't fully agree with, but uh, it's like NPC, IB, the big show. It, it is in those things, it is the truth. Yeah. Yeah. I, th- I think it would definitely improve the situation. I think you'd always, you're always going to have people who are incentivized to lie, even if it's legal, even if it's talked by some, because they want their hard work to, to come mm-hmm. across as the reason, right? So even IFBB pros will downplay their usage. I mean, you see this in all areas mm-hmm. of life. Like I have friends who, you know, some of them came out with $500,000 of student loans and some of them had their parents pay for it all, but they don't talk about it because it makes it seem like their net worth is less of them and more because of their parents. Right. And like anytime you can kind of bolster up your your work ethic and everything that people like to do that. Um, but it would at least be less... Uh, I guess people would be less vicious online and, and it could be if a, a you were Michael Hearns and liver Kings. Right. Right. Exactly. So, um, all right, man. Well, I, I thought this was a really great discussion. I'm glad we got to do it. Um, I'm glad we, uh, we didn't have any bitter comments on, on Facebook or anything like that. So I, mm-hmm. I think this was great, good discussion and uh, thanks for coming on. Likewise, man. So where can people find more of your stuff? Uh, I'm um, on all social media channels now, putting out a lot of content, YouTube as well, putting on more long form, Exclusive content to YouTube as well. Invested in like good video recording equipment, camera, microphone, and everything. So follow me on your channel where you want if you want more information. Awesome. And I will have links below. Thanks again.